Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I'm coming from the book of Acts 6. We're in chapter 6 now, and I want to I just go ahead and read. I'm a, my focus is not the entire chapter. My focus is just this section, Acts 6, 1 through 7. I want to focus on that because there's something I want to really deposit in your spirit today uh, to, to hopefully, hopefully have you leaving out of here going, hmm, do I need to make some changes? And if so, when, you know, let's do that. So if you're with me, if you have a Bible, if you don't, it's in your worship guide. We're going to start with Acts 6, verse 1, all the way down to 7. Follow along with me. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, I love that, that they rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Let me stop right there, and I just want to put this all in context for you. Many scholars, as I've done my exegetical study of this particular pericope, this text, many scholars would say that there were probably upwards of 20,000 or more believers at this time. 20,000 or more believers. Do How many of y'all know that when there's a whole bunch of people, somebody ain't happy with how things are going? How many of you know that as a church grows, somebody is not going to get their way, and then there'll start to be some grumblings and mumblings? How many of you know that, 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 that there were people in this church at this time that, that at one point could, could break bread with the pastor and the apostles and could hang out and, and go to the house and have fish dinners and whatnot. But all of a sudden, because of growth, the apostles are too busy. And so some people are offended. I'm not talking about this church, but I'm talking about the church in the Bible. There will be a time, my brothers and sisters, where this place will be jam-packed with people, where we'll have multiple services and possibly even other campuses. And there will be a time where I won't be accessible as I am right now, but I hope that you don't begin to look like these people with the grumblings. You see, they, they, they were grumblings because I think they lost their focus of what the church was all about. There were grumblings because I think that, that, that in this moment, they, they forgot that they were believers. Now, now, in all fairness, there was a mistake that did happen. There was a small group of people, a small, isolated group of people that were overlooked. And I don't think it was intentionally. There, there was nothing in my research to show or, or convince me that this was an intentional act where they intentionally 
disrespected them and overlooked these widows. I don't, I don't see where that happened. I think it was simply an oversight. But here you have these people. This is interesting. Both groups of people, Jewish, but different backgrounds. You have the Hebrews, and then you have the Hellenistic Jews. Now, the, the Hellenistic Jews were, were those people who, who adapted to the Roman and Greco culture of the time. They, they spoke Greek. They, they were part of the Roman uh, uh, culture and the government, and so they, they were pretty much a part of the culture of that time. But then you had the Hebrews, the modern-day know-it-alls, those holier-than-thou people who stuck with tradition. Uh, if you, you, know, you know what I mean. We got some of them in the modern-day church. What do you mean y'all not, y'all not doing communion on first Sunday? What kind of church are you? What, 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 what do you mean you don't have no choir? Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. These, these know-it-alls who are stuck on these traditions that, 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 that isolate them and hold them captive from being in an authentic and freeing relationship with Christ. We're stuck in tradition, and that's who these Hebrews were. And they were so formal in how they were doing things that they overlooked this special group of Hellenistic brethren who looked a little bit different who spoke a little bit different, who, who, who didn't believe some of the same traditions anymore, the modern type of worshiper. So, 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 so just putting that in context, this is where we are. This is who we're dealing with, continuing on here. So we go to verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Let me tell you what had just happened before this. The apostles had just been flogged. They had been beaten for preaching the, the resurrection of Christ. They were just beaten. They, they, were, they were held captive. They didn't, they didn't lock them up, but they held them for a while. They beat them. They didn't know what to do with them, so they beat them down. And then all of a sudden, they let them go. And told him, listen, don't, don't preach this resurrection stuff about this Jesus guy. Don't, stop that mess. Y'all stop that and we'll let you live. And so they let him go. And now all of a sudden they come back to the church and they got to deal with this other stuff. A food pantry. They, got, they have to deal with, with, with a food pantry. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that these disciples just wanted to push this under the rug. I'm not saying that they didn't make this a priority. I'm, I'm not saying that they, that they just wanted to ignore the problem. What I am saying, my brothers and sisters, is that God gave them a direct assignment. If we go back to the book of Acts, we can go right to, I mean, go back to, the, to, to Acts 1. We can see where he told, he gave them a clear assignment. He says, teach them all about me, all the way from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, all over the world. Share me. I'm giving you a direct assignment. And so they had to focus on that. So they weren't just, just pushing this thing under the rug. No, they knew they had a mission to fulfill, and they could not be torn away from it. Let's go down to verse 3. And so, brothers, they say, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. There's the spirit again, y'all. Y'all see that? There's the spirit again. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Y'all take care of that. 
Not because we don't want to, but we don't want to be disobedient to Christ. He gave us a direct assignment. We need to be flat on our bellies in prayer so that we can make sure that we are prepared to share the word of God with as many people because this thing doesn't stop here. We've got to keep going to the ends of the earth because this is what the Son of God has requested of us to do. Not saying that this is so minute. We're not above doing that, but this is so important that we need y'all to do that. I'm going to get somewhere with that in a minute. And so everyone liked this idea. They chose the following. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. They, they chose Philip and, and Pecorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven presented to the apostles, they were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Let me tell you something interesting about the seven that were chosen. (laughs) The seven that were chosen were all Greek, all Hellenistic Jews, the seven that were chosen. And those were the ones whose widows were, 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 were overlooked, so to speak, at the food pantry. This was intentional how they did this. This is intentional how they planned this out. This is, this is really intentional, strategic. So God's message, watch this, after they cleared up that, took care of the business of the business. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Watch this. So much so, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. That's the part I love the most. See, people are watching you and I, not the church, you, the person who says I'm a Christian, the person with the fish on the back of their car, the person who wears the Jesus is my homeboy teacher, the person that has what would Jesus do bracelets. The people are watching you. And then and, and they see you praying at your job. They see you carrying your Bible. They see that you go to church on Sunday, but they're watching to see how you handle the mess when the mess is presented before you. How are you dealing with your day to day stuff? And if you are you dealing with so much integrity, are you handling it with, with so much character, so much to the point where they want to change their lives? See, the greatest message, someone told me a long time ago, the greatest message I'll ever preach is not what I say here on Sunday. It's how I live my life. And I say the same thing to you all. The greatest thing you could ever do is not in terms of discipleship, in terms of evangelism. The greatest evangelism you will ever do is simply the life that you live and how people see that. I was on the road the other day, and I'm driving. I'm, I'm doing just a few miles over the speed limit, but I guess I wasn't going fast enough. And this car came and cut me off. And then kind of, you know, kind of, you know, started tapping on the brakes, like really bullying me. And I says, do they realize they got this big old bumper sticker on the back of their car talking about I love Jesus? I'm like, well, you're going to see him soon the way you're driving. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. You may be going somewhere else. But honestly, this is the people who are representing us. You cut me off and then tapping on bullying me because I'm actually following the law of the land. And the same thing is with us. Oh, you shouting on Sunday. You, may, you don't miss a Sunday morning service. And, ooh, man, you look for opportunities to serve in the community. You're a regular tither. But as soon as the muck hits the muck, how are you responding to the muck? And that's what people want to see. And you know what? The minute you don't do 
like everything you told them to do when they had challenges? They're like, I told you. I told you. Hypocrites. This is why I don't go to church. That's the, five, that's the last thing they say. This is why I don't go to church. And I'm here to tell you all, we, we've got to be intentional about ha- how we handle things because literally how we handle things is a matter of life and death. Not necessarily yours, but somebody who's watching. I tell my staff, uh, volunteer staff every week, that we've got to do everything with excellence. I don't care if it's five people here or zero people, we will start on time. I don't care if it's a uh, hundred people here, we're going to make some, or, or zero people here, we're going to have coffee out there. I don't care who's here and who's not here, everything must be done with excellence because somebody's going to come on a Sunday and all it's going to take is one thing that they didn't like and they'll say, you know what, I'm not going back to church again. I told you this is how it is. And I don't want Mosaic Church or anybody that's a part of Mosaic Church to be the reason why somebody has given up on Christ. Because you all know that when you give up on church, in essence, you are giving up on Christ. There's no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a regular, consistent relationship in a fellowship at a local church. You can't be by yourself. If you could, then Jesus would have never chose disciples. He wouldn't have needed them. I'm being honest. He gave us an example and he pressed it and he said it constantly. The importance of relationship and loving our brother and spending time with our brother and breaking bread with our brother. He was constant about that. There's no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving relationship in a local church. You can't. It ain't going to happen. You may think so. You can have all the Bible readings you want at your house. But if you are not in the fellowship, it's hard for you to grow. Amen. And the word of God spread. Why did the word of God spread after this situation? Because it was handled with integrity. It was handled with wisdom, meaning they made a wise decision. They thought about it. They planned. They they had a conversation about it. And it was handled with the sensitivity of those people who complained. It was handled with the sensitivity regarding those people who complained. This was a big deal to them. You're thinking, we're over 20,000 people This is a small group of people. It's not all women. It's just widows. Well, how many widows could there possibly be out of 20,000 people? Can't be a whole, whole lot. I mean, I'll I'll be be radical and say, what if there were like maybe a thousand? Out of 20,000, it's still a small group. And I know there wasn't a thousand widows. A small group overlooked. But they made it their business to be intentional about even the smallest group of people. They, they responded with sensitivity, and we could learn a lot from that, y'all. The church here in America could learn a lot from that. It's amazing that after all the stuff that's going on in, in our country, there are people that still are, 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 are bat beefing or arguing or, or, or just disagreeing about some trivial stuff. All the stuff that's going on with, 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 with this, the Confederate flag and, 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 and the churches and all of this. I mean, we're still bickering about this bitter stuff and not realizing that the scripture tells us we don't battle against flesh and blood. The devil is busy trying to draw wedges between us because he knows that God is getting ready to do some great things in this country. But we are getting in our own way. The church will fail, not because of any outside forces. Listen, for thousands of years, the church has survived outside persecution. The church will fail because of what happens on the inside. It's our internal drama that will tear down the walls of the church. We got to fix it here in this country. All right, all right, I get off my soapbox. I, that's for another message. 
There's three really important points I want to share with you this morning about this. I want to make sure that you and I, you and I get this thing right. That you and I, that, that, that you and I get it right so that other people are blessed as a result of it. I want, I want to use this model that they have here. So I'm going to focus right now just on a few scriptures, but I'm, I, I want to get these three points. One thing I want you to know, as I shared with you all last week, the church is messy. It really is. The church is full of hypocrites. It is. I'm just being honest. It's full of liars. It is. The church is full of, of, of backsliders. The church is full of uh, sinners. Just like the hospital is full of sick, sick people, right? Where do sick people go? They go see a doctor. Where do people who are broken, who are full of sin, who are lost, who are disconnected, where do they go? They come to church. So because life is messy and we're messy people, by default, the church is going to be messy. We don't all of a sudden walk through some doors and all of the mess of our lives and all of the sin in our lives just all of a sudden magically go away. I tell all of my baptism candidates all the time, I says, there's nothing special about this water except the fact that I tried to warm it up for you. It's cold. I prayed over it, but when I dunk you, don't, don't expect to come up like some of y'all may not remember this, but like the dude in The Last Dragon. Y'all remember that? Huh? You know how he came up? He's like, and all of you, you got that glow. No, you're not going to come up out of the water like that. I tell people think that's going to happen. Like, you know, it's like, no, no, no. You're going to be the same person. But here's the difference. You've been blessed. You've been covered. You followed a major step in this walk with Christ to be a Christian. You're going to be challenged. You're going to have some struggles. You're not going to agree with everything. But here's the good news. You are on the right team now. And when you are on the right team, you're on a winning team. Our team has not lost a battle in thousands of years. And, 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 and we won't lose one. You know, as I, as I said before, when, 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 God, when Jesus spoke to Peter, he says, upon you, I'm going to build the church. You, I'm going to build this church. And what happened in Acts? Peter preached a sermon and all of a sudden, you are witnesses to it right here. The church continued to grow. Then he said, and I'm going to build it so that the, the gates of hell cannot prevail. This church, not Mosaic church, but the body of Christ has withstood outside persecution for thousands of years. We're not going nowhere. We're getting bigger. We're getting better. We're getting stronger. It may not look like it in your neighborhood, but I dare you to look across the sea and look what's happening in China. I dare you to look and see what's happening in Cuba. I dare you to look and see what's happening in Brazil. Thousands and thousands, millions, I would say, are growing in the number and coming believers of Christ. The gates of hell have not prevailed and never will against the body of Christ. Only we can destroy it from the inside, and we got we gotta fix that. So 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 here's 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 the first thing you need to know. The church doesn't have to be perfect to advance the kingdom. We don't have to be perfect. They had an issue here. A group of people were overlooked. Right. They, they resolve the issue. And all of a sudden, the very next scripture says, and they grew greatly. It didn't say about 10 other people went to new members class. It didn't say that. No, no, no. It said it grew greatly. Greatly. When they say greatly, they don't put a number to it because it was just that big. If you notice everywhere else, it said thousand, five thousand didn't include women. They after, after it was growing so fast, they're like, you know, what? we just need to stop counting. It's too many people. 
too many, so many. We, we just need to stop counting. And I want to let you know this. The church doesn't have to be perfect to advance the kingdom. I'll make it personal. You don't have to be perfect to serve in the kingdom. You don't have to be perfect to call yourself a member of Mosaic Church or any church. You don't have to be perfect to serve Christ. You don't have. Listen, I'll tell you right now, if I had to be perfect, I wouldn't be your pastor. If, if God required perfection for me to be the pastor, oh, Lord, y'all would be in trouble. None of us are perfect. Matter of fact, I like to say no perfect people allowed in this church. If you're perfect, you're in the wrong place, baby. No perfect people allowed. You don't have to be perfect to advance the kingdom. You don't have to be able to quote a whole bunch of scriptures. You don't have to be able to sing or write music. You don't have to be perfect to serve and help advance the kingdom of God. Just be willing. Just be willing and available for God to use you. I'm telling you, once you allow the Holy Spirit, which is already indwelling in you, to come alive in you, and you just become totally vulnerable to that and completely trust what God can do, and don't you dare put your hands on stuff and let him do it, I'll tell you, I promise you, amazing things will happen in your life. But you've got to release your life unto Christ completely. Completely, and that's a difficult thing. Here's a, here's a second point I want to share with you all. We, the body of Christ, Mosaic Church even, we need to be a church of specialists, not generalists. We need to be a church of specialists, not generalists. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. If you notice how the apostles dealt with this situation, uh, they, they, they didn't say that's too, too, too minute of an issue for us to deal with. They share with them, we, we specialize in a certain thing, and that is preaching the word of God and praying over you all and making sure that you all are in a position to receive all that God has for you. Not that that's too small or minute of an issue. It's just that we have to do the thing that we specialize in. And what's going on with the church and even at Mosaic Church is that too many of us are generalists. Some of you sitting here right now are incredibly gifted at something that nobody else in this community of believers is gifted at. Some of you right now are incredible musicians, but you're there, not here. Some of you are incredible speakers, but you're there, not here. Some of you all are teachers and educators, but you're there, not there teaching kids. You're not using the gift that God gave you to help advance the kingdom. And I don't know what you're sitting on your gift doing, but I tell you what, if it's not advancing the kingdom, God is looking at you like, I gave you something and you are abusing it. If you're not using it, you are abusing it. This is not Broderick. This is the word of God. And this is why here at Mosaic Church, we offer a particular class in our growth track where we take you through the process of learning what your spiritual gift is. And not only do we do that, we, we do a DISC assessment so you can learn what your personality is. And I will tell you this, couples are happy to take that together. They'll be like, that explains a lot. You just crazy. 
But we offer that to you free of charge. Why? Because it's so important that you are serving in your gift, not serving based upon a need. We need a lot of stuff here at Mosaic. We're a church plan. And if you never heard that word before, let me tell you what that means. That means that every week we come up and set everything up. Matter of fact, when you walk through these doors, we don't own this building. This is Cobb County School Building right here. We don't own this. We set up everything, tear down everything. We rent this place because we don't have our own place. We, we, listen, we are a church plant, and it requires many hands to pull off what we do. And I don't know what your gifting is, but I, I really urge you to be a part of 301. Learn how God created you. And, and, you know, and what he gifted you to do, because I'm telling you, he will be well pleased if you are using it to benefit him. Amen. I knew I wasn't going to get a whole lot of amens on there, but I love y'all. We need to be specialists, not generalists. We've got people here that's hold doctorate degrees and they're doing small jobs when they could be doing something else. But we need some other people to step in and do those things. I knew that people don't like to hear that. Amen. Amen. I need to be more like the apostles. I really do. I need to be spending more time in prayer. I need to be spending more time working on teaching you all everything that God wants. I need to raise up more leaders. That's difficult for me to do when I'm here at 9 o'clock setting stuff up. Uh, that's difficult for me to do when I'm helping with other tasks of the church. Now, I'm not saying I'm above that. I've been doing it for since 2009, okay? But what I am saying is that it would be nice to be freed from some of those responsibilities so that I could be the very best shepherd that I could be for your benefit. Y'all walking with me? I need to be the best shepherd that I could be for you. Imagine uh, uh, if I was a shepherd that had sheep, and all of a sudden I decided to go tend to the goats and left these sheep over there. Y'all not going to know where to eat. Y'all won't know that it's time to go get a sip from the water. Who's protecting you from the evil one? Y'all will get all of that stuff in a minute. But I want to be the best shepherd of this house that I can be, and so it will require more of you all to, to, to you know be involved. As a matter of fact, um, this fall, I'm going to be launching a one-year discipleship program specifically for men. Nothing, for my, nothing against my sisters, but God has really, really burdened me to really be intentional about spending extended time with the men of this church. And we have one candidate that will be going through for this year. And I would love uh, to have at least maybe three more to walk in this journey with me to true discipleship, which will lead to eldership in this church. I really want to empower some brothers. We'll talk about that later, but that's, that's just a burden that God has given me. Here's a, the third thing I want to get into your spirit. Ministry is works and words. It's works and words. It's, it's, it's speaking, it's preaching, it's, it's sharing the gospel, but it's also doing stuff. It's, it's, it's hands on. It's, it's getting your nails a little bit dirty. Don't break them, sisters, but just get them a little bit dirty. It's getting in the mud and being involved. Now, here's what I will say. Not everybody's called to do both. Not everybody's called to, 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 to works and words. Some of us are really gifted at works. 
Some of us are talented at work. We've been supervisors. We've been foremen. We've owned companies. We're, we're really good at the work. Some of us can, oh, my goodness, we can pray like nobody's business. Some of us can pray like, you know I mean, just really pray so well that, that they feel it all away in Jerusalem. Can pray like nobody. Some of us can sing. We're gifted psalmists. We're gifted singers. Some of us are wonderful musicians. We're minstrels. Some of us are really, really gifted with certain talents, but some of us are not. And part of our spiritual gifts assessment is to determine what those things are uh, uh, and help draw those things out. Ministry is works and words. All of us fit into one or more of these categories. Y'all ready? This is not in your notes, but pay attention. Follow me quickly. This is good. We fit into one of these three categories. We're either prophets, we're either priests, or we're kings. Let me break down each category. The prophet is the person that has great ideas. And they're not their own. These are God-given ideas. God speaks to the prophet. Some of you all in here, you all are so creative. God has blessed you with the gift of creativity. Uh, You have these wonderful ideas. You may not be good at executing them, and that's okay. That's what team is all about. Somebody else can execute them, but the ideas are great. And you never, ever do anything with them because you can't execute them. You've got like 500 journals full of ideas, but you just, I don't know how to execute it. And you may be a person that tends to start and don't finish because you just, that's just not your gift. But that's okay. Embrace the prophet in you to just be the person that is creative with the great ideas. Oh, man, I'm speaking to some people this morning They're like, whoa, whoa, okay, it's okay not to follow through. Yeah, you just got to get the right team. If that's not your gifting, get the right team behind you. Some, some of us are priests. Priests are good with people. Now, I'm not saying you, you, you're supposed to be up here on the stage. I'm not saying I'm going to give you a mic next Sunday. That, that just ain't going to happen. I'm just really saying that. It, it ain't going to happen. But what I am saying, priests are good with people. And some of you all don't know a stranger. You can go, I could drop you off in the middle of, of Idaho somewhere, and you've never been to Idaho, but I'll come back a week later, and you got a whole posse of people like, yo, meet John, Jim, and there's Jane, and so-and-so, and their kid goes here. I'm like, how do you, some of y'all are that good with people. I'm, I'm one of those people. I don't know a stranger. I, I, I make a whole lot of friends easily. I just like to, I like people. I like to talk. I'm nosy. Some of y'all are gifted with that. You could be phenomenal greeters here at the church. You could actually, I might give you a mic to kind of be like, uh, do a welcome. Hey, welcome to Mosaic because you're good with people. People, you know, people see you and they're drawn to you. Some of y'all are that person. When you walk in a room, everybody wants to be around you just because you are you. Some of you all are phenomenal with people. Some of you all are definitely priests. Some of y'all are priests and prophets. You're good with people and you have great ideas and you know how to build up leadership or build up a team around you. Oh, man, I'm preaching. Somebody, somebody feeling that this morning. Some of you all are kings. And here's what kings are. Kings are great with things like real estate, and budgets, calendars and strategy and details. I know in this room we've got some very successful business people. Very successful and important people at their job. I'm talking about they run their whole department. We've got some kings in here. And when I say kings, that, that applies to you sisters too. Don't, you know, we'll call y'all queens. But, but, but the king, the reason why I say king, because the king held, you know, that title meant he did some certain, he did certain things. 
And some of you, all of that. Some of you are, nobody in here I don't think is all, all three. You may be good at some parts of it, but all three is really tough. And here's, here's why I say all of these things. You need to know who you are and what God has gifted you to be. Whether it's a, a prophet, uh, whether it's a priest, or whether it's a king. A friend of mine, I, I've talked about him a lot, buddy, my buddy Devin, he asked me one day, I'll never forget, and this is the guy I told you all about whose, whose goal in life is to tithe $1 million. That's just amazing to me. I mean, I would have said, man, I'd love to make 10. He's like, no, I want to give away $1 million. I don't care that I'll make the 10. I want to make sure that I'm able to be in a position to give that. And I thought that was wonderful. So one day we were having a conversation. He's a very successful, very, very successful businessman. Don't know why he hangs out with me. But uh, we were talking, and he says, Broderick, are you a king or are you a priest? And I didn't even understand the difference between the two at the time. And I just felt in my spirit of like, I think I'm a priest. I've started businesses. I've had businesses fail, yada, yada, yada. But when it comes to people, I stop everything. My kids will tell you, if I brought them on this stage, they'll tell you, yeah, daddy stops. Anybody that's on the side, yeah, my daddy will stop. I know that's some of y'all looking like, man, that's dangerous, man. They will shoot you. Well, that's, you know, I, I believe that I'm covered by the blood. I don't know when not, when not to stop. There are some people I do drive by like, mm, that looks suspicious. I pray for you. I'll bless them, Lord, if, you know. But then there are people who's like, yeah, man, I got to turn around. I got to see that person. And every time that I have that burden, God gives me the opportunity to minister. So I know that I'm called to be a priest because I love people. And I had that conversation with Devin. And then years later, he brings it back up. He says, remember I asked you that question, if you were king or priest? I says, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, look at you. You're a pastor now. I says, wow. He says, that makes you a king and a priest. Because believe it or not, I have to manage the finances of this place. I have to make decisions on who we pay rent to if we stay in this place. Of course, I got a board that helps make those decisions. But some of you all have those same giftings. And I want you all to begin to think about it. The Bible says that the church grew greatly after they handled this conflict. And can I tell you why the church grew greatly after this conflict? It wasn't because they handled the conflict so well. It was because those who were in charge kept the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing was preaching the word of Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.